the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules contain 100% fine-ripened fruits and vegetables, tested pure with no pesticides, fillers, or additives of any kind, and are the most effective whole food supplements on the market today. You might ask, how can over 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables fit into six vegetarian capsules? Fruits and vegetables are on an average 85% water. Balance of Nature uses cold vacuum technology to remove the water, leaving only the whole food. We don't use any heat, air, or light drying methods that damage nutrients. Our cold vacuum technology maintains 99% of the fresh fruits and vegetables' original nutritional value. Along with diet and exercise, Mother Nature provides fruits and vegetables to help us maintain good health. To order, go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751. That's 1-800-246-8751. Use the special promo code PODCAST. I don't want to just, you know, say there's nothing good on TV, of course, but that's just an incredible amount of time to be sent in a, you know, spent in a very passive state watching, you know, images and sounds played in a sequence. In a culture as politically polarized and aggressively tribalized as ours, how do people change their minds? I'm Georgie Borman, a mother, author, and cultural commentator born and raised on the West Coast. I want to know what we can learn from people who've been on both sides of contentious issues, whether they end up on the right or the left. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the 180 cast. Like the average person in the United States lives about 78.8 years, and that amounts to about 16 and a half years watching TV. Hi, and welcome back to the 180 cast. I'm your host, Georgie Borman. Uh, I have a confession. While I am a fairly productive person during the day, uh, I'm, I'm pretty average. I'm an average American when it comes to TV watching at night. Um, I used to read a bunch of books when I was younger. I was reading all the time. And then when I became an adult, especially after graduating college, you know, the TV is just there in your living room. And then when you come home from your 8 to 5 job and you're tired, you're like... Just someone entertain me, please. I don't want to think anymore. So, you know, our to this day, our living room is still like the typical arrangement where the furniture faces the TV, even though we have a fireplace, which is beautiful, that just doesn't get used, sadly. Um, I've, I've actually written several pieces about TV shows that I've found noteworthy because, you know, if you're going to watch TV, you might as well have something constructive to say about it um and i do find some some value in some of the things that i watch but i will say one thing that cody and i have been pretty firm on is not letting our toddler get in the habit of watching much tv especially during the day um she she gets maybe like half an hour of children's programming 
a week, maybe. And uh, so far in life, we don't have any regrets about that. But that's mostly, I will have to say, another confession. It's mostly because I find children's programming to be incredibly annoying. Anyway, <clears throat> all that is to say is, um, you know, that's that's the, the you know the sort of compromise that we've made. But some people just decide to throw out their their whole contraption altogether, and they just you know remove the temptation. And given the opportunity cost of how much TV Americans watch, I'm very curious about um, what gets people to finally check out the darn thing and like cancel all of their Netflix and Hulu subscriptions, and whether you know months or years down the line, if they still think it was worth it, because there's always a social cost for going against the flow, and that is something that Cody and I have found over and over again in our you know ambitious financial independence goals, as well as trying to live you know according to the tenets of our Christian faith. So the question is whether that cost is worth paying. Joining me today is Andrew Sirius. Andrew is a real estate investor from Kansas City, Missouri. He writes on a variety of subjects, from business to self-improvement to politics and economics. He is the author of Awesomeness, an amateur potpourri guide. No, hold on. I'm not going to botch the title of your book, Andrew. Hold on. He's the author of Awesomeness, an amateur potpourri of a how-to guide. Okay. His writing can be found at BiggerPockets Thought Catalog and Washington Examiner, among other places. And you can find links and more at the aptly titled blog, AndrewSerious.com. So, Andrew, thank you for bearing with my long introduction and for coming on the podcast to talk about this. No, thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. Yeah. So Americans spend, uh, apparently on average, something like four hours a day, four hours watching TV a day. So, you know, it's it's no small thing to just up and throw out something that millions of us have in common and takes up so much of the um, the Western way of life. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a Nielsen report that came to five hours a day, which is actually kind of, well, shocking to me. I knew Americans watched a lot of TV. A lot of people all over the world watched a lot of TV. But even that number was was took me by surprise. I mean, that's that's about 20% of your, or about 20% of your total life and about 30% of your waking life. I kind of ran the numbers real quick. Like the average person in the United States lives to just under about 78.8 years. And that amounts to about 16 and a half years watching TV. And that just seems to me, I mean, there is some, I don't want to just, you know, say there's nothing good on TV, of course, but that's just an incredible amount of time to be sent in a, you know, spent in a very passive state watching you know images and sounds played in a sequence <laughs> it's it's true and, and sometimes when i think you know when i'm convicted by <laughs> coming across these statistics it takes me back to when i read um you know fahrenheit 451 and you know there's like that whole room like the immersive room that like you know all of the walls are screens and then there's this one show that everybody's obsessed with called the white clown and honestly, every time people talk about Game of Thrones, like that comes to mind. <laughs> well, now every time they talk about Game of Thrones, they talk about how much they hate it. <laughs> so I guess it's. But no, I, 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 yeah, and it was sort of the same thing with Breaking Bad. And I, I, I will admit, I did watch Breaking Bad, and you know, it's a very good show. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, it was, with one of the reasons. Like I eventually, when I moved to Kansas City, I, I decided I'm not going to get a tea. Like, I'm not going to get a TV in my place. I'm not going to set that up. 
And I think a lot of it has to do with, with just being deliberate in what you do and what you spend your time with. And so it, like TV becomes such a, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of people who have argued it's just outright addictive, like basically like, you know, nicotine or alcohol or things like that. And it's, it's something that I, I remember when I was younger, I'd just come home from school or, or, or even come home from work uh, back when I lived in Oregon before I moved to Kansas city. And it just, you know, well, I'm home, I'll sit down and watch TV and just kind of flip from one channel to the next. And it seems kind of in hindsight, an extraordinarily passive way to, to, um, to spend your time. There's no, you're not, if you have, like, if you have a show, one show, that's very different than just kind of going around. Like this is like, it's almost, it's just habitual to the point of I'm going to spend time really not accomplishing anything. Like if you have like one show you like to watch is particularly with a group, I'd say that's far better. Um, at least that's a somewhat social activity. Or if you have an educational program you want to watch, that's, you know, you're learning something, but just to spend, you know, it's just like, what are you accomplishing in any way? Not just like self-improvement or improving your relationships or anything. It's just, it seems like much of it is just passive entertainment to waste your life away. And that, uh, I think that is something that people is incredibly easy to get caught in. TV is not the only thing nowadays with, uh, YouTube or just surfing the internet can be a similar issue. Um, Twitter certainly be a yeah, Instagram, Twitter, although Twitter, you get the, um, you know, you get the complimentary rage, uh, the the outrage (laughs) dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's different. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Every, every social media site has a different, uh, a different uh, thing that comes along with it. And yeah, Instagram is like the, uh, uh, it's the self aggrandizement and then Twitter is the outrage. And then, yeah, it's, but it, it's all of these things. I think, you know, the, 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 I think the big point with me with the TV is like, it, it could be good in moderation. And I know there are a lot of people who do use it simply in moderation. They have their one show that they watch with their family. They have this educational program. They use it, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, what was, what was, what's the show with the, the, the kids show with the, uh, with the blue puppy or whatever. I, I don't remember. Blue's you know, Clues. Blues, yes. You know, for, for kids like that's kind of stuff can make sense. And if you can use it in moderation, great. But at some point with me, it was just like, I don't really even see the purpose of this. I can find educational information on, on the internet, which of course leads to another issue. But, um, I think TV is especially, especially uh, bad in this sense, because it's just so easy to just sit there and like, I will find something that will entertain me and get me from, you know, seven o'clock in the evening to bedtime. And it's like, there's just a lot of better ways to spend your time. When, when did you sort of come to that conclusion? Was there a particular moment? Like when you realize like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of wasting a lot of time here. Like what finally motivated you to decide not to have it in your house? I think it, well, basically, I think I was kind of coming to this conclusion anyways, when I was living in Oregon and uh, trying to find a, a career path, we were doing fix and flip there and like buying houses that were dilapidated, fixing them up and selling them. And we wanted to get back into buy and hold. And we thought the Midwest made a lot more sense. I have a lot of extended family out here. So we, I decided to make the move out here and it was kind of, it was kind of building while I was in Oregon and it was like, you know, there, there's just no point to getting one. And it was kind of like that break was like, it was almost like it was easier for me in a way because I didn't have to throw it away. I just had to not get one. So it was like, I, I don't see the benefit of it. 
And um, so I'm not going to do it. And I haven't regretted it at all. In fact, the biggest the biggest issue I had since then is trying to uh, find good ways to moderate Internet usage, um, mm-hmm. because that can be a similar thing, especially now that we have a cell phone on us all day long. And like I'm moving towards trying to get to the point where I, like, I don't like not using my cell phone for surfing the Internet or looking at or watching videos or pod, unless I'm like unless it's like an audible or something like while I'm driving. Or, like, if I go for a walk, maybe I can listen to something or something like that or, or read something. But it's not I, – I, to me, it's like it's – unless it's, like, something that's work-related or really important it's or, or, or just exhausted at the end of the night, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's better to not be involved – like, not be doing those things. It's much harder. Like, I, I don't know how anyone today can get rid of the Internet. Um, but I do right. think getting rid of TV is a huge step forward and then trying to find ways to moderate your use of the Internet, uh, particularly uh, particularly if, you, if you're going there without a purpose. You know, right. if you're going there, like, I'm just bored. I want to look at the Internet. It was like, right. Well, it's well, a habit. Yeah. I mean, you don't really you you you, st- you stop thinking about it consciously at a certain point and it's just you know it's like how many times do people unlock their phones every day even if they just unlock it just to check what time it is like you're doing it constantly but okay hardball question you're com- coming your way did you decide to get rid of the tv before or after breaking bad finished it was before wow um, okay bad yeah, Breaking. Well, okay, my, my Breaking Bad is sort of like I, I basically uh, broke this rule for Breaking Bad because <laughs> I, I I have um so I, I basically watched like Breaking Bad was the only thing I watched like that mm-hmm. was like and that, you know I watched it over the uh, over the internet but it was like and I think that can make more sense uh, particularly if you do it together although that even itself is dangerous but I would say like. Um, if you're going to have your shows, you should only have one, you know, probably that you watch at a time instead of many. Um, I mean, these are, these are rules of thumb. You can't, there's nothing like, I can't give you like the exact number, but it's like, uh, I, I just, I, the one, I think it's much better to have that one show you watch, even if it is, you know, Game of Thrones, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> then having, then, then just sitting there, you know, I kind of putting you flip, flip it around. I will go to watch this show. Not I'm going to figure out what, you know, I'm going to sit down and watch TV. Um, and, you know, I think 20 years ago, before the Internet, this would have been a much, uh, much easier thing, you know, because the Internet has thrown a huge wrench into this. But I think the first so in many ways, I think the first step is to cut the cord with the TV. And then the second step is to try to figure out how to moderate your Internet usage. And there's no perfect way to do that, because I don't I don't even know how you could function, without the Internet, especially with work and the way it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, I also think I, I think this has a combination effect with like just kind of the atomization that's happened a lot um that where you know people don't talk to each other they don't hang out as much they don't mm-hmm. they don't, aren't doing as many things they're sitting at home watching tv or watching youtube videos or uh you know looking around you know all sorts of, you know or even worse you know on the uh the internet things that are just kind of um things that really not you know can become addictive and just also or or maybe not even addictive but at least habitual in the sense right. where it's like you're not accomplishing anything and you're not growing any of your relationships are actually becoming you know, part of a community. You're just sort of, or, or you have sort of these sort of communities, these, you know, these online things, and they're not bad enough right, themselves. Like fandoms. They're bad. Yeah. They're bad when they become replacements for real things, for real communities, real uh, interactions with people. Right. So what do you, what do you think about this idea of 
quote-unquote prestige TV, you know, and that people are watching more TV and investing more money in watching things at home because it's better quality and it's highly produced and it's well-acted and it's, you know, made by these thought-provoking writers. And, you know, if you're watching, for instance, Game of Thrones... Um, religiously, then that that makes you a film critic, capital F, capital C, um, or or Chernobyl, right? Everybody's watching Chernobyl now, which I am. Yeah, I'm actually dying to watch that show. I haven't watched it yet, but like you know, that's I want to watch it because everybody else is watching it. You know, in a way, like wouldn't you say? Like the counter argument is that there are some things. There are some like mega shows, for instance, Breaking Bad, that that everybody can sort of talk about, just like, you know, 30 years ago, they used to talk about Cheers, or I think I'm getting that right, probably 30 years ago, I don't know, that, you know, that can kind of bind, bind people together, even if they're not necessarily watching it together in the same room. Yeah, I think, I think there's something to that. I mean, I think, uh, well, as far as quality writing goes, I'm not sure, uh, uh, Weiss and Benioff from Game of Thrones are getting much uh, much love right now in that respect, but <laughs> but as far as, uh, but I would say I'd say there's something to that. I would say a couple of points. I think one is it, it's you know with these shows I'm getting now with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all the rest of them, you don't need a TV in general for it. And I think that's probably you know the, just the ability not to sit down and start flipping channels or all go to ESPN or whatever, you know, look for what you want. You know, that, that by itself is an enormous improvement. I'd say watching shows with others is an enormous, is an enormous improvement. And I, and I would say, uh, you know, limiting the number of like, if you're, if you want to watch Chernobyl and that's your show, okay, great. But don't pick, you know, Chernobyl and game of Thrones and, uh, uh, like, uh, Westworld and, you know, walking dead. And, you know, just like, Let's limit it to one at a time or maybe, you know, like during their season, you know, you have one at a time. So you have this kind of one thing that you have and it's more it's more scheduled um, than than simply uh, than simply it's more proactive. You watch TV in a proactive. Mm-hmm. It's more it's, intentional. It's yeah, it's more intentional. It, it, and I think that's I think that's true of, of pretty much all of these things um, because they're so easy to fall. They're so easy to become just like background noise. Like it's just either habitual or even for some people addictive. And um, I think it was, was St. Augustine that said, like a man has as many, as many uh, masters as he has vices. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, that is, that, that kind of really rings true to me. That's if you, if you, if you allow the tell, you know, this to become just part of your life where you don't even think about it, you just sit down and watch TV or even move on to these, uh, to these various, uh, you know, social media platforms or, or just, you know, surfing around the internet until it's 4am or whatnot. Uh, that, you know, that is really, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, it's, it's maybe a bit hyperbole to say you're not free, but you're not, you certainly are, you basically, you were controlled by it and it, it you know, you must, it, it's right. so you're t- letting t- habits take over yeah. more and more of your time. Yeah. And, you're becoming a, you're becoming a creature of habit instead of a, uh, someone with intentionality who, who wants to move your life in the right direction and build you know you know become better at your career you know gain you know gain uh gain new skills or hobbies you know learn a musical instrument or, or more you know more importantly actually spend time with your friends and family you know that, that, that's another thing I think it's been, it's you know it's it's often said that it's extremely difficult to 
you know, make friends after high school or make friends after college other than like work friends or maybe from church or something like that. And, you know, I, we, I've been working on that too. Like having, you know, basically, you know, being more intentional about it. Like we schedule, like I have a group of friends that we just schedule, you know, every Friday, the first Friday of every month we get together uh, and just grab drinks and something like that. Those types of things I think are important to have basically more, more planning might not be the right intentionality. I think is probably the right word with regards to all of these sorts of things. Um, yeah, so that's so that's really the root issue for you, and what drove you to make a change was just like, like being more intentional with your life in general. Absolutely, and I and I think just also like what you know, your time is worth a lot. You know, it's worth more than anything else you have, really, because uh, you only have a limited amount, and there's not you know, there's only so much you can do to extend it, and you can only extend it so far. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the value of most television, and I would say like some of these highly produced shows like Chernobyl or whatnot. I mean, that, that's a bit different. They're more thought-provoking, more interesting. But if you look at the, like, the average show, like the average reality TV show, the average celebrity gossip show, the average, I mean, even even, even many news shows or whatnot, uh, you know, <laughs> the daytime yeah. drama, soap operas, all this stuff, it's just like, what, what it's kind of like, what a waste. Like, what, what what does it actually do for you? How does it move Semi-entertaining you Semi-entertaining Semi-entertaining time sponge. Yeah, time sponge is probably a good way to do, it. but it, it maybe it, you know it's yeah it sucks up your time. It, it's it's kind of a yeah it's it's a giant succubus that steals your time, <laughs> and and that's the most valuable thing you have. So it's like what uh, or at least you know certainly high on the list because I mean I mean everything else that every other thing that's good from you know. Uh, you know, most most particularly personal relationships, and and it, it, you know, even down to simply material things, none of that matters if you don't have any time. <laughs> you know, it, and so right, and well, and that's something that everybody is everybody it thinks that they don't have enough of, and and would like more of is is their time. That's part of the reason why I put one of those super annoying. Um, uh, time usage trackers on my phone and every morning it tells me how much time I spent on my phone the day before and I'm always annoyed by how much time I've spent on my phone because you know everybody wants more time and you wonder where all of it goes well you actually kind of have to do some some measuring and and be intentional about even just that one step of, of measuring you know like everybody else is measuring everything else we probably should be measuring screen time in general if we're counting our our steps every day um but i was going to ask you you mentioned i think you think you mentioned cable news or what i think is more accurately called um infotainment if everybody stopped watching because i know you, you write about you know politics and economics and stuff sometimes so do you think if everybody stopped watching infotainment if we'd be better informed or just like more peacefully oblivious or something in between? Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that's happened and I don't have a solution for this is that, um, people have gotten, you know, have you, have you seen those like, um, they're like those studies of like Twitter usage. And you kind of see this too, because you know, Fox news is right wing and, and CNN and MSNBC are left. And but the Twitter use is like two, between conservatives and liberals, like two giant blobs that barely talk to each other. And it's like, I think it's definitely like, it's definitely, I think social media has infotainment started it and social media since you know, hyperdrive, but it's definitely part of the hyper partisanization of the United States. And I think 
I think uh, as far as infotainment goes, I think there's I think the main thing I would say, I mean, there's there's certainly again, it's it's not it's not an all or nothing thing. But I think a lot of it is, you know, trying to fill a 24 hour news cycle often, you know, you're often putting in just uh, just nonsense or, or, you know, repetitive stuff that doesn't really matter or you're you're kind of getting you know going for the outrage mobs um which have kind of become a you know a specialty of the the uh, sjw left which are particularly annoying but um i think i think infotainment for the most part there's, there's i think there's a lot better ways to get it um it, it, it's sort of like you know if you're what are the better ways what are the better ways because the internet has its own you know share of Fake news, for lack of a better word. <laughs> fake news, yes. That's, uh, yeah, the Internet has plenty of fake news. I, I mean, I would say probably trying to get, uh, a, trying, trying to, this, this sort of kind, kind of goes back to an intentionality, you know, trying to look at several, you know, different perspectives instead of relying simply on your favorite uh, news show. And now, if you watch a little bit of news, say you watch the news after dinner for a half hour or something like that, I don't think that, again, if you can do it in moderation, that's great. I was not great with moderation. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of something that you have to find. Like if you, it's something that you can't control very well in a certain area. I mean, some areas I, I can do moderation just fine. Some I'm not, this was not one I was great with. And so it's like, just get rid of it. But I think looking online and trying to force yourself to look at several different perspectives, instead of just falling into the habit, it is another thing it, you will habitually fall into the habit of looking at your own side, whatever confirms your own biases. And that is, uh, and so that's something you should probably try to fight against. And I think looking and trying to be into like right now, I'm going like, I, um, I can't remember his name, but he said, uh, the way he would look at, you know, get his news for the day was to just kind of, you know, scroll around a handful of websites while he went for a walk in the, and that's like that. That seems like you know you've you've kind of plotted that time versus you know watching uh, hours and hours of uh, of fake news on on the uh, on the tube. Um, I, so I think again, it, it comes back to intentionality. I think mm-hmm. it's, it, instead of letting it come to you, uh, you know, go to it when you choose to, and try to have a plan for that. And I think just watching TV is probably one of the worst ways to do it. And it's I, I would like well because it's a very it's very passive to begin with right so you're just kind of following along with whatever the news cycle is yeah I think I think that's a, a really good point there's a huge difference between reading and watching because reading is an active thing you are doing something you have to uh, I, I I would suspect um, you know your your mind you learn more from reading than you do from watching. Uh, and that's not to say like, I, I love documentaries, so I don't want to be you know, just diss at all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, and some people are more visual and so that's helpful, but I think there, there's something certainly more active about reading. And I, I think that's a better way to get your information for the most part. Um, and especially, I think like documentaries are probably better than just, you know, passively reading or watching one video after the next you know it's more more uh yeah it's like the the kale it's 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 like the apple chips of the tv diet yeah it's, yeah absolutely and it, then I mean, planet earth would be like the kale chips of the tv diet <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like going to a movie versus watching tv now unfortunately uh the quality of movies today is uh, i mean it seems to be so derivative and plain and and just one giant CGI battle scene. That I don't know. I found Godzilla King of the Monsters to be incredibly entertaining, but I, 
I I love monster movies. I actually have a lot of <clears throat> deeper thoughts about that CGI fest, which I didn't think I was going to have coming out of that movie. But anyway, that's that's an aside. I think what, it seems like some of the more intelligent writing has gone to these serialized television shows on Netflix and whatnot. But that's, that's a good point. Yeah, that it's I mean, partly because, you know, when you're making a 200 million dollar movie, you need to you know, it's got to be it's got to have that brand awareness to start with. So it's going to be either a reboot or reimagining or a sequel or prequel or remake or whatever, you know, and right. it's like uh, the originality seems to be mostly gone. Um, but hope, yeah, maybe once we've gotten 20 more star Wars movies um, that, yeah, I don't know. People actually ask for something new, but I think it, it's still the same thing. Like with, with news, like if you have a good time of the day, like, especially like, I, I like that idea going for a walk, you know, like, or um. Scott Adams made this point. This is with regards to something else, but it was like the way he gets to the, to the gym every day. Like he, he built, instead of like trying to use willpower, he, um, he, uh, he tries to put in systems. And so his system for right. working out every day is to go to the gym every day. And it's like, that's okay. Well, that sounds like dumb, but it's like, but he doesn't have to work out. He just has to step inside. If he doesn't feel like it, he can just walk right back out, but he does have to step inside. And it's like, well, once you get there, once you step inside, it's like, oh, well, I might as well work out. And then you do it. And fine. It's like any time it says like maybe four times a year, he'll just be like, I just don't have it today. And so things like that, the more of those you can kind of set into your life. And there's areas that just don't work for you. And you just kind of pull the plug on that. Like, I mean, a long time back, I was just, uh, this, this, this kind of, this first started percolating, I think, about how long ago was that? About eight years ago, ten years, a little bit before I moved out to Kansas City. I was uh, I was actually a smoker, and I came across um, this book by Alan Carr called "The Easy Way to Stop Smoking," and it kind of goes through every perceived advantage of smoking that there is, and just just take and destroys it. Like there is no advantage to it. Like you know, it's like. Smoking cures boredom. Well, if you can imagine anything more boring than smoking, you're you have a better imagination <laughs> than I do. Or smoking, you know, relaxes you. Well, no, smoke. You know, nicotine is actually a mild stimulant. You know, on and on and on. All of it is is you, you like the taste. I mean, stop. You're embarrassing yourself. And so, and then so he goes through all that stuff, and he's also like, you know, so people like the only thing left is like the withdrawal pangs. But. Then he notes, you know, like you sleep through the night, like smokers sleep through the night without getting woken up by their withdrawal pangs. They, uh, many of them don't even smoke, you know, smoke in their house before they get, you know, when they wake up until they get out to the outside. So they're going for like seven, eight hours without a cigarette. Often when they're on a plane, they don't care about until they land and they start one more. It's, you know, it's pretty much just a, just a little bit of an empty feeling. It's kind of like hunger, a little bit jittery. So it's like analyzing, analyzing these big, these aspects of your life that you think are important and breaking it down and saying, why am I attached to this? And is there a good reason for that? And the other thing it seems like you're saying is intentionality isn't, isn't synonymous with, with willpower, but it's about being intentional about setting up your life in a way that you don't have to rely completely on willpower, but that you're moving yourself in a way that's more productive and more fulfilling. Absolutely. I think that that's a really good summary. I mean, I think I, I, I love this, this, um, 
this example apparently or this psychological test apparently is now under scrutiny it's like like everything else in psychology and they're not sure if it's actually true it's called ego depletion but there's certainly some truth to it for sure like willpower it's basically like you can't if you keep using willpower you run out of it and there's regardless of whether ego depletion is true they had this study where they had like people like half of them they, they put like these fresh cookies and radishes in front of them and for half of the group they're like you can eat the cookies, but you cannot touch the radishes. And the other ones, you can eat the radishes, but not touch the cookies. And then they gave them, like, this mental test that was unsolvable. Like, it was impossible. And the people who got to eat the cookies lasted a lot longer on it before giving up. And so the idea is that you use up your willpower, and you only have so much of it. Now, apparently, that's under some scrutiny, but there's some truth to it somewhere. You can't use willpower forever. It's for short-term things. Like, i got to use my willpower to finish this workout. i got to use my willpower to get through this assignment or this job or this whatever you can't just use it forever. And why would you want to? That'd be okay. mm-hmm. like, and so that's why getting rid of the TV actually makes sense versus saying, I'm going to limit it to, you know, 30 or 60 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Like with the smoking example, like the idea people, when they quit smoking, like I got to use willpower to get through it. Well, you're going to run out. Eventually you're going to have weak moments. So if you realize smoking does nothing for you. It's just, it just, everything it does is hurts you. And it's not, you don't enjoy it. And the will, the, the withdrawal things are, very very small if if you don't let them become something like oh now i'm, I'm deprived of myself of this and i want it and then it kind of becomes this mental withdrawal thing and you really have to go for it but if you, once you realize it's nothing it's easy to quit once you realize that like tv particularly the type of watching where it's just sit down and let it come to you doesn't actually do anything for you it's like set up your life in a way where you just don't have that and um it's harder with the internet it's much harder with the internet but it's like there's still things you can do and it's all like just Putting it in your life in a way that you don't have to use willpower to avoid these things, um, especially if you don't need it. Like with TV, I don't feel like I need it at all. And I, with um, with uh, the Internet, I'm you know working for ways to try to to stop using it. And one of them I'm thinking is like I'm not going – unless I'm checking my email or something, I'm not going to surf the Internet on my phone. I can only do that for my computer or things like right. that. Or, uh, you know, when you and, – and, you know, it's another thing. You're going to fall out of this and try to get back into it. You know, like, so it's not – you're not going to be perfect. you got to give yourself a break. But I think the more the more you can do to um, – to really, I guess, live your life with intentionality in all of its ways, in, in every way, you know, instead of just letting, instead of letting just life happen while, you know, as, you know, images and audio is blasted at you and you're sitting, you know, on a couch with potato chips, you know, actually taking an active role, I, you know, it's like, it's very different. Like if you have your Chernobyl and you're watching with your, with your husband or whatnot or something like that and, and, um, or, or your kids or your friends or whatever, that's a big difference like i mean back in the day we used to watch um my parents and i used to watch uh, uh like star trek next generation every saturday we had like pizza saturday we watched star trek next generation and watched pizza. that was like a family thing right. that is so much different than um than just sitting there and, and passively watching it or sitting there on the internet just like i'm bored and i'm gonna look for something you know better to pick up a book or try to learn an instrument or a new language or go go you know, meet with yeah. friends or, or spend so, time with your kids or whatever. So what do you think are the biggest things holding people back from, from getting rid of their TV or, or, or cutting back drastically? Because it seems to me like, you know, we, we've talked about intentionality, this whole podcast. If, if you were to just take everybody's TV away, it seems to me that there would be like a massive crisis of meaning in Western culture, because suddenly you have all of this time that you were filling with one habit 
And now maybe you don't have a, you know, a bookshelf that's full of interesting books like I have sitting right behind me to go, you know, fill that time and figure out something to do. Or maybe you don't have that that network of friends that is so like, you know, painstakingly built. And like you said, like, it is so hard to make friends once you, once you, once you graduate. That is absolutely true. And then, and you know, you add kids on top of that. It's hard. That's, that's really, really hard. Anyway, that's another subject, but it seems like there would be like this massive crisis of meaning. And I think maybe, um, everybody kind of knows that deep down. Like if you make a big change like that, that suddenly frees up like five hours of your day on average, that's kind of scary. You know, I think you've maybe, you know, noted the crisis of Western civilization right there. <laughs> I mean, like, that's like, it's kind of a, it's kind of terrifying to think that, like, how, how big a crisis it would be if this box, in our, or I guess it's now, a, you know, a flat screen in each of our living rooms just disappeared, like that, how much that would matter. Um, and it's also like, you know, it doesn't, it, I think the first thing that would happen, unfortunately, is people would just go to the internet and go, like, go to, you know, Fox News or CNN's YouTube channel and just replace their TV with their computer. And that, you know, that is, that's not, you know, I, I do think there are much more valid reasons to have a computer, obviously, than there are to have a TV. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think one of the things people are scared of, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when it's scared of the, like, not, you become, uh, accustomed to a certain certain way of doing things. Um, I remember, like, I would just go back to the quitting smoking thing. Like after when I first quit, like I, it was much like that time. I tried to quit easier a lot of times with willpower and it just didn't work. I was always, you know, just, uh, it feels just horrible. But I would still like I just go outside and walk around in circles for a while. Like you know, just like you kind of have that that hangover. Like there's no point for me being out here, but just this, this is kind of what it was. And with like, um, I think. It's you, you want. I think one thing is just not be afraid for you not to have anything to do. Like like you don't. It can you can be like empty for a little while. You mm-hmm. will find alternatives, and in picking some of those alternatives, um, like do you want to learn a musical instrument? Do you want to learn a new language? Do you want to you know buy some books? Um, start you know pick a social club. Start going there. Start going to church. You know start um, yeah. start going to these different uh, you know isn't the enemy and i think a lot of people nowadays especially parents seem to be um just based off of my observation treating boredom like that's the enemy you know your kid comes up to you and they're like i'm bored or they're you know they're they're being needy or clingy or whatever and you're like uh what do i do um hand them my hand them an ipad um but like boredom you know for me i was bored for hours and hours as a kid and that just made me like go out into the forest and and build dangerous underground forts i might break my leg but you know it was worth it yeah i think i think you know it's i think taking a step back like just thinking like of all throughout all human history what society ever really feared boredom like i guess you know like in the medieval ages when it's like you know it's the middle of the winter and you can barely leave your hut or you're, you'll freeze to death. And so you're just kind of huddled there hoping you, get, you have enough grain to last the winter. Okay, maybe that. But, like, is boredom really that, that big a thing to be scared of? Like, I think, like, what would, what's the alternative? Like, which would you rather have? Would you rather be bored or be basically addicted to this? Or, or at least in this, 
habitual state. I mean, addiction might be a strong word. For some people, I do not think it is. But for, for many, it's not. It's not an addiction, but it is mm-hmm. a bad habit. And it's like, and it's what, like, what do you, what, like, what is better about sitting there in front of this, you know, watching some reality, you know, watching the Jersey Shore, you know, just to marvel at the degeneracy versus, uh, versus just sitting there doing nothing. And it's like, you don't have to do nothing, but what, is it worse? Is it? Like I, mm-hmm. it probably is better. You probably lose more brain cells watching um, shows like that than you do just sitting there staring at a wall. But you can, you can pick up a book. You can, you know, pick up an instrument. You can, you know, it's not that expensive to take, you know, uh, uh, musical lessons or or or, or uh, second language lessons or try to you know go to these, uh, you know, learn how to to you know, put to get, you know, home maintenance or all sorts of different things. I mean, there's so many things out there. And I think there's a fear. I think there's also a fear of just going to these things alone, but it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, especially looking back at high school, if you think about all the things you were afraid of back in high school, that made no sense at all. Um, that you like, Oh, I, you know, I almost, well, I don't want to, I don't want to go back through puberty again, but if I, I, I kind of want to do it, just, you know, I want to, do uh, not do all the stupid things that made no sense to be scared of. I think, you know, just going to one of these things, even if you don't have a big social group, you're in a new city, whatever, you know, there are other people in the same boat. Nobody, you know, they're, they're, you know, they like, if you're the one person, like it was interesting when I started this group where we were, um, of getting together, uh, once a month, it just, you know, one thing that I was doing, like everyone I asked was just like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I think there's a, a huge thirst for this. You know, we are becoming a more and more atomized society. I, if you ask somebody there, that you're at least, you know, if it's a complete stranger, okay, that might not make sense. But if you ask somebody who's a friend, cordial, whatever, um, you will almost certainly get a yes. And if you get a no, I mean, who cares? Like, you know, they're going to forget about it in a week, right. so it doesn't matter. And I think just kind of thinking of that in those terms, um, you know, or like if, if you're thinking about it, like if you move to a new city, you want to a church or something like that. You know, you don't want to go alone, though. But, I mean, it's like <laughs> all the letters I get from various churches, I mean, they want you to come. So it's like, why not? Like, it's just something to get. I think it's just. Uh, yeah. You have to break out of you have to break out of your comfort zone. And TV has become the comfort zone of 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 millions of people. So it seems to me like what you're saying is the most persuasive argument for getting rid of your TV might be just the question of what could you possibly do that's worse with your time? <laughs> Is that the case, or is there a more persuasive argument? I mean, I think that honestly, I think that is probably the best case. Like, what, like, you know, your time is so valuable, and it's hard to imagine something. Especially if it's not that one. It's not the show you're watching with friends and family, or it's not that one show that kind of is your break. You know, you're you're burnt out. You know, at the end of the day, you don't even want to read. You just want something like that. But if it if it's just you know, it's five hours a day. yeah, you were, that's, that's 20, I mean, that's 30% of your total, your waking life that is just going down the drain in the most completely useless way possible. Most of it, you won't even remember. Um, much of it is, is really like garbage and probably harmful <laughs> for you to be watching. And it's like, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's, I mean, it's this way with a lot of things, but I mean, it's like, um, I mean, you could, you could point to a lot of other things. I mean, uh, like, it, you know, if you're not, it just, um, you know, over, the same with like, I mean, I guess you could say similar would be like, like overeating or like, uh, or over drinking or something like that. Like, like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I never had any issues with alcohol, um, only with nicotine and TV. But, um, I would say, um, if you're drinking on your own, 
Like that, that would be something like it may be like one glass of wine with dinner is not what I'm talking about. But like, if you're just like having drinks on your own, that like, what is this, is this like, what better use could you, like, is this really what you want to do? Is this really adding anything to your life? Do you really enjoy this? Is mm-hmm. this really, I mean, the opportunity cost is enormous, especially since you can't relive your life. You only get one shot at it. And I just can't. Yeah. I, I think you summed it up. I can't really think of a worse way, uh, a less, the less you know important way to live your life, the satisfactory way to live your life. It might be entertaining, but entertainment is not satisfaction. Like nobody looks back like, oh yeah, I, I, I you know, no, no one on their deathbed is going to look back and say, I'm glad I was entertained so much during. I'm my glad life. I saw all the Godzilla movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit here, a little bit there is great, but it's like, um, yeah, that's not that's not what matters, and it's like, and I think I think it really comes down to living with intentionality mm-hmm. and. If you, you know, again, if you can use, if you have no problems with TV watching a little bit here, a little bit there, fine. But if if it's something that you've fallen into, I don't really see the purpose of having a television. Yeah. And so I think it's it's probably best to just let it go. Good point, Andrew. Thank you for letting me um, pick your brain about this. Where where can we follow um, your work and and your your commentary along these lines? Besides the name of your your book, which the lack of pretentiousness really makes me want to buy it. Cause it sounds like something that's not being oversold. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. The title's oversold. The subtitle tries to bring it back a little bit, <laughs> um, but yeah, other than uh, awesomeness, uh, it, my blog is just my name, andrewserious.com. And then I also write a lot for bigger pockets. Um, so just uh, bigger pockets, uh, basically, backslash blog uh you'll you'll see my name on the side but um uh on the side there and then i write for a variety of other sites but that's all kind of in a in a sort of whenever an idea comes to me write an article and then submit it to them but it's like walking examiner benefit for and and whatnot those are are the main places my blog andrewsteers.com and bigger pockets uh that, the, the, where I write about real estate and business, and uh, I'll probably become. I'm, I'm going to be coming out with a real estate book here sometime in the next uh, couple months. If you're, uh, if anyone here interested in real estate investment, particularly buy and hold, it'll probably be called the Buy and Hold Blueprint. That's the working title. So, awesome. um, my husband's actually really interested in that stuff. So, oh great, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, we just a uh, couple. Uh, you can uh, you can go to the um, our YouTube channel for real estate is the good stewards, um, which is the name of our company. And that has, we have some presentations on real estate investment too, that you can, you can check out as well. Awesome. If you like the 180 cast, or even if you just found this one episode intriguing for whatever reason, share it with a friend, better yet, share it with someone who might be influenced to change their mind. And thank you in advance for subscribing and giving us a rating and or review on iTunes. If you are a regular listener to the podcast or you just discovered this podcast, um, I would love to hear why you choose to listen and how you found us. If you have a 180 story to share or you know somebody who has a cool 180 story, please catch up with me on Twitter at 180cast. Or for those of you who prefer email, you can also send me a message at the180cast at gmail.com. That would be the180cast at gmail.com. Stay tuned every friday for a new 180 cast episode <clears throat> and don't forget you can follow me on twitter at georgie underscore borman if you're interested in my opinions on basically 
anything and everything. Until next time, seek the truth, share your values, and listen with your heart and your mind. God bless. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.